What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Spurlock 30 to the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40 to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that. Shotgun set. Three receivers left. Here's the snap, and the blitzer is picked up. Brady and he caught ball. Evans. He has the record at the 11-yard line. Mike Evans becomes the first NFL player in league history to record 1,000 yards or more in his first seven seasons. And what a throw by Brady. Congratulations, Mike Evans. Who can forget? Looking again, looking again. Throws up the middle. Hats in the side. At the 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Here's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes directly. Oh, so the end Battle in. Intercepted, picked off in the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White, what a great second season. That's it for KC. Bucks are the Super Bowl champs. They can't stop the clock. We call them the Salty Dogs. Welcome, everybody, to the Salty Dogs podcast. I am Scott Smith. And I am Jeff Ryan. We are the Salty Dogs. We are. And this is a podcast mostly about the Buccaneers. It is exactly about the Buccaneers. And also, it's about Beefo Brady's. It is, because they're our sponsor, and we appreciate them. We appreciate them doing that. And when you think about wings and beer, or beer and wings, nobody combines them like Beefo Brady's. Start with the award-winning traditional or boneless wings in a variety of sauces, dry rubs, and then you get to pick your brew. Beefs has all your faves on tap. Beefo Brady's, where game time meets beer time, wing time, all the time, done. Good wings. Thanks. I like the wings. Oh, I thought you said I've right, good. Oh, good read. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. Read. You need to be patted on the back in yeah, the middle of the podcast. I need all that. Do you yes. notice how I cued you up for that? Because sometimes we've been missing it right at the top. Right. I feel like we need a little bit more structure in this podcast, to be honest with you. Oh. I feel like we kind of careen around from one topic to another like a so, bowling ball in an ice rink or something. So basically you're going to keep me in check. Is no, what I, we're still going to careen around. Okay. But I would. I want to do that first. I also want to say, say at the top, uh, last, week, last when we, week when we got to the questions, mm-hmm. I was complaining a little bit. Not complaining. Just mm-hmm. pointing out that we only had like two questions. Sure. We gave the email address. It worked. We got a ton of questions now. What a concept! Huh? So there's a lot of. So I want to give out the email address at the top now, oh. in case somebody doesn't listen all the way in sure. or realize that we do answer your questions mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. That is salty dogs at buccaneers.nfl.com. Don't forget the .nfl part in the middle. It's not just buccaneers.com. When when I was running a radio station, that we had a theory that we're going to tu- brag. Well, no, this is just this will fall when into I what was you running just a said. Radio station. This is when, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're doing, this is what we've done. So that's why you have to give that address more often. Okay. I thought of that before, but it's your show, so I just got <laughs> It's my show. Well, good. I'm glad you admitted it. Hey, uh, let it go. Also wanted to, um, right at the top, uh, talk about the fact that we will have a guest and who it is, and that's Cam Gill, yep. an outside linebacker, plays a lot of special teams, gets a limited number of snaps because we this team has JPP and Shaq and... Joe Tryon, Shoyinka, uh-huh. but he's doing a really good job. Sure. So I'm really looking forward to talking yeah, to him. Yeah, me too. Um, and also, I just think we should start right at the top okay. with the thing that should be um, tops in our mind right now, and that's the playoffs. Oh, and playoffs? Playoffs? I read a story last week about that. It's like 20 years old now. Oh, it's, the Jim older, Mora thing. it's older than that. I think it's like 20 years. No, I bet you. That was in the 90s. 
Well, okay. Let's look it up. You look it I up. I love doing this. I read a whole story about it. I, why you? would they do it if it wasn't something like the 20th or the 25th anniversary? Why bring it up? Well, if it was the 25th anniversary, it would be in the 90s. The guy who asked the question that led to it is now a teacher. Oh. But people still walk through the halls and, and yell, playoffs <laughs> at him. <laughs> well, at least he's remembered for something. <laughs> no, I mean, the whole thing is, is very entertaining. Um, it's like... It's like Allen Iverson. The first thing you think of is practice, uh-huh. you know? I mean, you, you, you get, known, get known for something. Uh, the playoff scenarios is where I wanted to start. We'll, we'll talk about the Atlanta game. We'll You're talk about the... Mi- Mr. Smith, you are on your game. Well, I, I did read the article. November 25th, 2001. Right. It, moved, it made sense that we do it on the anniversary. Wow. So, uh, the Good Buccaneers, do you, are, do you have the playoff? 20 years later. Do you have the playoff clinching scenario memorized in your head? It's not too difficult. Well, this week. Uh, you This week, yeah. Yeah, this week, uh, Panthers and the Saints need to lose or tie, and we're in. And we have to, and Buccaneers have to win. Yeah. Um no, that's not it. I don't think the, t- yeah, maybe the tie. No, that's right. It's Atlanta. I, I, I don't like to Carolina. talk about the ties. The ties are dumb. I know. They, I know. I know they have to put those on the scenario well, list because it's possible. The only reason why I put the tie in is I didn't want to be corrected that I didn't get it. Totally no, no. Let's right. just when we're talking about playoffs, let's ignore okay. the tie thing. If if the Buccaneers, we win. But not in that order because the other two games are at one o'clock. So the Bucks will go into their four twenty-five game knowing whether or not a win over Buffalo yeah. will clinch the division. It's not like it's. It's nerve-wracking or anything because no. there's five weeks left to sure. close the division, and uh, there will be a lot of opportunities, and at some point we won't need help from other teams anymore. It'll be just be win and you're in. Yep. But the Bucks can clinch their first division title since 2007 wow. if the Falcons beat the Panthers at 1 o'clock and the Jets beat the Saints. That's not crazy, okay? I'm not saying I necessarily would pick those two results if I was doing a pick them, but they're not crazy results. No. The Falcons can beat the Panthers. And, and for anyone wondering why the Falcons with the same you record. Want me to explain? Sure. Or I did know you why. want to explain? Well, well you go ahead. I'm talking a lot. You go Well, ahead. because we beat them twice. Right. Um, we win the tiebreaker, so to that's speak, correct. even though you hate ties. We would be. Well, that's what a, a tiebreaker is a good thing for somebody yeah. who hates ties. So. So, so the what what the deal right now is the Bucks are nine and three. The uh-huh. other three teams in the division are all five and seven. So obviously, uh, if the Bucks go to ten and three, and the Saints lose, they'll be five games back with four to play. Yeah. Same thing with the Panthers. If they lose to the Falcons, five games back with four to play. And the reason we would want the Falcons instead of the Panthers to win is what you said. They would then be four games back with four to play. The best they could possibly do is tie us at the end, and then we'd have the hammer of the sure. two game tiebreaker. Right. And uh, and the Bucks want to keep winning anyways because they still want to go for the number one seed. Yes, and even the number two seed would be a significant improvement over three. Mm-hmm. Because if you're the two seed, if you're the three, any of the division winners, the first one gets a bye and the other three all get Let, home games. Let's stop just for a second. There are seven teams that make it to the playoffs, correct? Yes, in each conference. In each conference. So let's just take the NFC because that's all we care about right now. Right. So the number one seed is the only one that gets a bye. Right, which is new as of last year. And then, so if you're the number three seed. You play six. Okay, and then four plays. Five, which is what happened last year. We were five and we played four at Washington. Then, depending on who wins and loses. so Two plays seven. So my point being, if you're the three or four seed, you're definitely getting your first game at home. Right. That's great. That's what yeah. we want. Yes. But you don't. You aren't guaranteed a second game at home if you win. Oh. So let's say it's it's two versus seven, three versus six, 
And four versus five. Maybe right. you do actually if you're the three. I thought no, yeah. no, no, no. You wouldn't because the t- the team the if if the first seed has the bye and the second seed if they win, they get another home game. Yeah. Because they would be a higher seed than anybody else. So if you're a three seed, you can't get a second home game unless the second team second seed loses in week one, mm-hmm. which at this point would be Green Bay losing to San Francisco. Ah. At home in Lambeau. Okay. Okay, so moving up to two means you guarantee yourself if you win your first game, your second game is also at home. Yeah. And then if for some reason the one seed, which in today, right now would be Arizona, if they were to lose in round two sure. their first game, then you as the two seed could get a third home, home game. game. And also a cha- the, the championship game. That's the same thing. Yeah. Well, that's emphasizing how important that third game is. So uh, there is a big difference between three and two. And then obviously there's a big difference between two and one because you can't lose if you're on the bye. And call me crazy, you just kind of like to just win no matter what. Winning is good. Winning is good. So uh, right now as it stands, the the Cardinals are 10 and two. Uh The Packers are nine and three and the Buccaneers are nine and three. Yep. The the Cowboys are behind us at eight and four, but we also have a tiebreaker over them. Yeah. So the Bucks need to catch either and or both Arizona and Green Bay, and Arizona has a tougher schedule of those two teams remaining. Uh, but uh, the Buccaneers, the problem for the Buccaneers is that Green Bay has a seven and two conference record right now, and the Bucks have a six and three. Yeah. So the Buccaneers need to pick up a game on Green Bay. Uh, they need Green Bay to lose a conference game. It would help. Or a game, if if we were to win out, we need them to lose. Actually, it wouldn't be sad if they lost all their games. That the would be, the season, yeah, so. be, yeah. Everybody <laughs> else loses. So anyway. But uh, you've got to win, and that's that's where we're at. Right. And, and, and yeah, the, the guys, the players and coaches aren't thinking about those scenarios right now. It's just, no. um, it's it's, just fun. It's to the salty about. dogs hey, having fun with fun it. Hey, it's fun to be a Buccaneers oh. fan or employee and be thinking about clinching in playoffs in week 14 out of 18. Five weeks to go. And you could clinch a playoff spot. Yeah, I'm still scarred, but yes. That I'm, doesn't happen very often. Uh, no, it you're does not. You're not going to bring up 2008 I, again, are no, you? No, I'm not. Okay. I'm, I'm leaving it alone. Yeah, I'm, leave it alone. I am leaving it alone because I, I want to be Mr. Positive on this so, podcast. I, again, <laughs> see, I told you we can't possibly keep structure here. I no. didn't even finish what I was saying about the emails. Yes. And that we got a ton of them. Great. And we're not even going to be able to get to them all well, in this one, but we will get to them all in okay. weeks in, in weeks to come. Uh, if you send us an email, unless it's something objectionable that we really sure. don't want to talk about. Uh, we'll tell you. We'll tell you that there's one there's one this week that's a little borderline yeah. in that regard. But oh, I'll read it, and we'll say what we're going to say. Sure. But we'll get to some of them, and then I'll tell you the names of everybody that also sent emails and that we will answer them next week or whatever. So, you know, come back. We'll get to you. That's called a tease. It's, I, I appreciate, actually, all these sure. emails. I hope it continues like this. We wanted to. So, let's right. talk about the Falcons game first and then get all to the right. Bills game. Is that cool with you? Sounds like a plan. The amazing thing about the... Sounds like a format to me. Go ahead. So, Tom Brady throws four touchdown passes. He did. He has nine in the two games against Atlanta this year. He threw for a bunch of yards and touchdowns in both games against them last year. Tom Brady against the Falcons. Nine and zero. Oh. Ten if you count oh, old, 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 uh, old uh, twenty-eight and three. 20, actually, I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's eleven now. Is it? Yeah, I think that was number eleven. He wow. was nine and zero in the regular season, and then there was the twenty-eight. Were you Super surprised Bowl. that they threw fifty-one times? It didn't. What? It didn't feel like it. I, no. I was surprised when I saw the number. But we threw thirteen passes on the first drive sure, in yeah, thirteen that. plays. So you you had your. No, I'm not. I would say it's it's just again every week they're just taking what the defense it is giving. Some, yeah. Hearing. 
And uh, Byron Leftwich was a little, you know, not not too forthcoming about how much of that was planned and how uh-huh. much was a result of how well it was working. Sure. And I understand. We're uh-huh. not trying to give anything away. No. Um, it sounded from after the game like maybe from a couple of people that maybe that wasn't the exact script of, oh. to throw 13 straight passes to start the game. Except, but it looked good. It, well, every, every, just about every play was working. Yeah. So, um, and well, you you take what the defense gives you, and it wasn't like they were throwing all. Da- they weren't throwing downfield. There were a lot of short. short no, there was a deep one of Mike yeah. Evans on the sideline. Yeah, there was, but not the, all of them. As I was saying, there was a deep. There was a deep one for. They both had him and Chris Godwin both had 36 yard catches. Chris Godwin, my goodness. Gronk's first touchdown was 27 yards. I mean, there was they mixed it up pretty well. Yeah. Um, but Tom Brady versus the Falcons now, his passer rating all time against the Falcons with that playoff game included is 113.9. Wow. It actually came down in that <laughs> game because it was like 114.2. Yeah, well. You throw for 368 yards and four touchdowns and one really weird pick that we probably need to discuss. And your <laughs> your your passer rating goes down. That means it was pretty high to begin with. That is the third highest passer rating for any quarterback in his career against any specific opponent. Right. The funny thing about it is the top three on the list are all against the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> so if you dislike the Falcons, wow. as I do, this is a good list. Aaron Rodgers' all-time passer rating, 115.4 against the Falcons. That's the best of any quarterback. Poor Falcons. Kurt Warner. I mean, these are all Hall of Famers or sure. soon-to-be Hall of Famers. Kurt Warner of Atlanta. I mean, against Atlanta, 114.2. And the fourth one after Brady's third is Brady again against Jacksonville, 113.1. So we need to get them on the schedule. But uh, we'll be talking about the the Bills here in a bit. Yeah. Do you know Brady's all-time starting record against Buffalo? Something it, crazy. It's 32 like, and 3. I knew that I was going to say the three was the losses. I couldn't remember how many up front. Buffalo though. fans cannot be thrilled what? that Brady leaves what? the division and now they have to see him again. It's kind of crazy, though, when you think about it. Yeah. You know. So you asked about, did I think we were th- going to throw 51? Yeah. I don't really know but uh, beforehand, but I can see it, and I'll tell you why. The Falcons had went into the game with the worst pass rush in the yeah. league, the lowest sack rate, pr- pr- pressure rate in the entire league. The Buccaneers came into the game with the number one pass protection numbers in the league, lowest sacks allowed per pass play. As we've everybody said all along, some of that has to do with how quickly Tom Brady's getting rid of the ball. Sure. But the offensive line is also playing very well. Ali Marpet got back into it last week, which was good. And so you can understand that they think we don't ha- we can stand back here without without extra protection. We can let our backs go out. We can let Gronk go out on a bunch of routes. We can block with five because the, the Falcons don't blitz a lot either, no. which is a little weird. A team that can't get pressure on the quarterback, you think they'd blitz some, but they really don't. So if you look at that, I'm sure our guys were sitting in their meetings during the week going, we can sit back there and throw. We can pass. We can pass. There's going to be time. He's going to have a clean pocket. He was hit. He was contacted by a defender one time mm-hmm. in 51 dropbacks. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. The Buccaneers have the best pass protection numbers, but also the most passes in the league. Mm-hmm. That's not and, a normal combination. And, and the offensive line should be going to the Pro Bowl, and they're not. Oh, so, well, you don't don't worry about well, the fan voting. I know, but still, it irritates me. So if you haven't voted yet, you can still vote. Look at the fan voting for the Pro Bowl and the leaders at each of the offensive line positions. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a guy with uh, alphabetical order. Yes. yes, you'll notice a lot of guys whose last names start with A and B. A, and B. Yeah, start with A. You got a good shot yeah. of making it to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, all right, that's fair. No, you got a good shot of winning the fan vote. It usually ends up getting 
fixed by the players and coaches. Yeah, their votes. They make the adjustments. We're still hopeful that Allie, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Donovan, maybe Tristan. I, yeah. I, Tristan has a very good reputation. Yes. Yeah, I think all three should go. I, and it's with the numbers that you're throwing out on how well the offensive line is yeah. playing. And no question. Unfortunately, I don't know if, if voting is that sophisticated and no. people are going to be knowing it's, that. It's all about name recognition. Uh, oh, you know what? I tried to be more structured here, but the one thing I like to do at the beginning <laughs> is, is what's your best? What's the best thing you saw in that game or your favorite thing from the game? I'm not trying to step on Scott Van Pelt's thing, but what was the best thing from that game for you? Uh, the Frisbee Dogs at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing that one down. Not only... Not only Oh my god, you had to be there. Yeah, you had to be there to see the Frisbee dogs. Before and you get to, you get to tell a story, but let me just say okay. one thing, okay? My wife loves Frisbee dog I halftime do shows. Every year the she tells me to tell Jim Mackis or whoever, I, can we get Frisbee dogs? It's not his decision, so don't get me wrong, but yeah. can we get Frisbee dogs? We don't do that anymore. And so I'm delighted to to tell Giselle that hey, they got Frisbee dogs. They got a Frisbee dog for the halftime show here. Now, yep. take it away and tell anybody who didn't what? see it what happened. It, it was, well, it, two things. One, it was great with the, 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 the Frisbee dogs. And you talk about how people would like to see it. I took a picture of the Frisbee dogs and sent it to Jim Mackis. Uh, did I, you? I texted There was only one. Yeah, there was one dog. One Frisbee dog. But, well, almost no Frisbee dogs. Well, explain to and, me. And what happened was, and it kind of alludes to what we talked about, that crazy pick at the end of the half. And what, I can't wait to see how you tie these two things together. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay. The uh, Frisbee dog, you know, they got to get him ready before the half begins. So he kind of came out, and he was sitting, waiting to While do While the game was still going yes, on? Yes. Okay. I didn't know that, notice that part. Yeah, yeah. And so he wanted to, um, uh, you know, he had to get himself ready. And so he's sitting there, he being the dog, the trainer, and whatever. And then we have that unfortunate pick. Yeah. Well, when you have the pick in that uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, after something big happens, I don't. I think it's like a fog horn, but I don't know. It's some kind of like a horn that goes Their off. Their version of our cannon. Yes, went off, and the dog took off <laughs> up the tunnel, <laughs> and Aww, he didn't want to come out. Guy. He did not want to come out. Aww, I, I didn't know that backstory yes. to it. Now I feel even worse. Yeah, and so... Uh, that was the only thing that made the pick worthwhile to me was watching the dog. Do you now. want to explain or do you want me to what actually happened? Go ahead. On the pick? No, the, what, what happened with the Frisbee dog himself at halftime? Because a lot of these people don't get to see the halftime okay. show. Okay, what, uh, what, what part of I The mean, whole thing. It was a disaster. Did you not watch the halftime what? show? You mean like he didn't catch the Frisbee half the time? Uh, uh, no, <laughs> here's, here's, what, here's, here's the whole thing that happened. First, when they come out, he wants the, the guy who's throwing the Frisbees wants him to come to about the goal line about halfway across mm-hmm. the field. That's where he's going to throw the Frisbees. But the dog takes off running towards what was, I think, our bench. And he's running around. And he ends up running back into the corner by the tunnel. And he didn't look scared or anything. It looks like he was just having a good time. Sure. The, the guy went and picked him up. And he, he's carrying him back to the spot. And he's whispering in his ear. And he puts him on the ground. And the dog immediately turns. Turn. He's not running yet. But he turns in the same direction where he'd run off to before towards the bench. And the guy keeps trying to scooch him the other way and scooch him the other way. And so... They basically kind of hold him to the last minute. The guy makes the throw, the first throw, and it's really low and short, and the dog runs after it but can't get it. It, it hits the ground before it can get it. So, okay, we still got plenty sure. of time for them to show off what they can do. From that point on, every time they got the dog back, and sometimes uh, uh, some people helping them had to carry the dog back, the guy launched these un- incredible Frisbee throws that went like 80, 90 yards down the field. 
And the dog would start tearing off after it like he's supposed to. And then after about 15 yards, he'd go, nah, that's yeah. not worth it. <laughs> and turn around, and he did that every single time. Yeah. So it was one of those things like when you when you, you hear a joke once and it's funny and then you hear it repeated a couple times, you're, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, fine, whatever. And then it keeps going so many times that it circles back around to being funny. Yeah. And this was it. <laughs> By the end, you're just, we were up in the press box laughing our asses we, off. What was what was funny at at half? Not funny, but I started to watch that. But then I had to change up because we had to get coach, so I had to start talking so to the studio. Good. But I did. I, it, it is funny. I didn't. I felt sorry for the dog. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's because he got scared to begin with. I, I'll say that as long as he's got. We don't know anything about the people that yeah. train him or, or work on them, if they own him or whatever. But right. as long as those are nice people, oh, yeah. everything is fine. If sure. I, and I hope that's the case. They weren't mad at him. No, he got Because otherwise, the dude, the, the dog just had a good time. He yeah. doesn't know that he ruined the show. No. He just had a nice time running around on the field. But I do love I do love the Frisbee dogs. I'm I sure do. that was probably a really good Frisbee dog that could have done well. Yeah. But he obviously got, he got thrown off his game. Yep. And the guy just kept throwing. I don't know why he kept throwing it so far. Because every time he'd throw it, the dog would run about 10 yards, 15 yards. Go nah and loop back around. But you see that that's <laughs> just it. You know, halftime's only thirteen minutes long, and so you got to get it done. They somehow so. did like fifteen or twenty. But I but time. I had to bring that up. That was that was. Yeah. But but that was uh, that, that was one of the things. That was mine. But I have another one. But I'll let you tell me what your favorite thing was. I like the fact that uh, f- three of the f- and I don't know, but there was a fifth sack by. Um, Cam, Cam Gill, who we're going to um, talk to. I okay. forgot to look that one up, and maybe I can. But three of the other four sacks, which were two each by Vita Vea and Indomitian Sue, uh-huh. came on third down. Okay. That is something that we've been lacking. The Bucks have had a decent amount of sacks. Third down is like the worst down for us. Well, and third down is when sacks are most impactful because mm-hmm. they almost always, like 99% of the time, that kills a drive. Yep. So uh, I, I'm trying to look up real quick, sure. quick to see if Cam Gills was also. But even if only the three of those four were on third down, that's a big improvement for the Bucks. Uh, uh-huh. So we need to see more of that is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So that was my favorite thing, the getting the sacks on the third down. Yep. Um, my other favorite thing was Leonard Fournette uh, rolling over, um, angry running, angry attack. Which part? Uh, on number 34. Was a well, he was Leonard Fournette just goes and just blows up number 34 of the Falcons. I don't remember that. You don't remember that play no. at all? Uh-uh. Really? I remember. Do you both. want me to show it to you? I got Not it right really. here. I, I believe you. I, I, I can't remember every dang thing mm-hmm. that happens, Jeff. Sure. So, I mean, just just totally trucking some dude, blew him up. I will say, I also and he almost he almost got you know, on um, uh, good morning football or whatever, yeah. How they oh yeah, it. they have the angry run, which the he ang- got. He he got it before, Pretty but he was handy, right? he was he was in on this one. Nice, and he didn't get it because someone else did. But it's a good one. The other thing that was nice to see was the two touchdowns for Gronk, especially the second one. Uh, do you remember the two touchdowns for Gronk? Yeah, the first one was like a twenty-seven yarder where he kind of he fought off some blocks, mm-hmm. left the line, and, and then, then came across the middle, and Brady just was really sharp pass that got past the diving defender and he was able to lope into the uh-huh. end zone. The second one, though, I'm taking some credit on this one. You are? Because you called it? I have witnesses with me in the press box. They're not uh, here I... now. You'll have to take my word for it. But if anybody questions it, I could bring them in. I see the. I see how it's lined up. You got, you're on the right hash mark, uh-huh. which means there's a little more room on the left side of the field. Okay. And we are in a three-by-one, which means we've got trips over here on the right. They're all receivers. I think it was Perriman and Evans and Godwin. Mm-hmm. They're in a little bunch. And then 
Gronkowski is isolated over here on the right. He's got one guy, safety Eric Harris, in coverage on him. It's man-to-man. You can tell that. It's, he's uh, he's going to try to press him because he's right up there on the line. Mm-hmm. The only safety over the top was not only in the middle but actually shaded a little bit to the other side because of the trips over there. I saw that and turned to the guy next to me and said, this is going to be this is just going to be a straight back corner fade to right. Rob Gronkowski. He's just yeah. going to be his man off the line and run towards the corner, and Tom's, Tom's going to lob it over. It's exactly what they did. But they did it after they saw. Uh-huh. It was it was an audible by Tom, and it, which he communicated to Gronk, when they saw what the coverage was. Because they don't know coming out of the huddle, are we going to get a single high safety no. or what? Yeah, they right. see all Gronk has to do is beat his guy off the line, and once he's passed him, there's no way that guy's going to stop it. Tom Brady's going to just throw it perfectly yep. over the top. And he did. There was virtually no chance of that not being a touchdown once Gronk stutter-stepped and got past his guy. Unless he didn't catch it. And I am such a huge fan of simple plays uh-huh. when you're around the goal line. Sure. You know, these these fades to wide receivers that are low-percentage plays or uh, all this. Yeah, just yeah. run across. Just run a quick slant or run this play. Just something really quick and easy. Make it make it simple. Make, yeah. Like the, simple. Did you see the end of the Detroit-Minnesota game? I did. So did you have thoughts on how that game ended? Because I, I thought it was kind of weird that he threw, but I thought it was great that he, he you know, to, to, to win. I mean, he did what, what he did. What are you talking about? You thought it was l- weird that he threw? Yeah. It was fourth and two from like the 12-yard line. What else are they going to do? Well, I mean, just kind of the way it was. It was like over the, over the middle. Yeah, well, it was <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was just over the middle. I was thinking that, you know, you do hate the fades and everything, but that's a dangerous Well, thing. but here's the thing. Uh, on Thanksgiving, Detroit was trying to protect the lead, and they uh, they made a really bad, in my opinion, and I was texting with some other people who felt the same way, really bad defensive choice because uh, who did they play, New Orleans? No, it wasn't New Orleans. Who did Detroit play on Thanksgiving? Chicago. No. Was in Chicago. Uh, let's see, real quick. This I don't is know. Compelling, compelling podcast. Anyways, right well, no, I want to see because I want to get this right. So Thanksgiving was that week twelve. I think yeah, so. Yeah. So you're right. Okay. Darn it. <laughs> they were playing Chicago. <laughs> and they. Oh Lord. They go ahead. If they can get. I'm yeah. wondering if it was a de- yeah, it was Detroit. Yeah. If they can. Chicago's driving down. There's hardly any time left. They're within a couple minutes. Uh, uh, they have a third and goal. They have a third and four at the 11. This is Chicago sure. against Detroit. Chicago's trailing 16, 14, 13. Yep. They have the ball. There's a little less than two minutes left. Detroit has one timeout left. Uh, third and four at the Detroit 11 going in. And Detroit defends it by putting all their defenders around the goal line, and then backing up at the snap. Right. And I'm yelling at the TV, no, Soft. a first down here is worse than, than a touchdown. A, correct. Because now you don't have any time because they can run the clock out. That's exactly what they did. They got a first down. They just ran a little curl yeah. with all those guys backing up. Easy first down. Now they run out the clock and kick a 28-yard field right. goal. If you give up a touchdown there and and Chicago kicks the extra still point, got time. even if Chicago goes for two, you're still only a touchdown down, and you've got two minutes left to do something about it. And lots of time. Instead, yep. they give up a field goal, and and Chicago kicks on the final second. It was terrible. So the tables got flipped. Fortunately for Detroit, they got their first win because Minnesota did the same yep. dang thing. Yeah. Fourth and two, mm. they're all in the end zone, and they're all backing up at the snap, and the guy just runs across the line and turns around. Bam. It's the easiest play you're ever, ever going to see. Because they were defending the back of the end zone for some crazy yeah. reason. I don't know. It just didn't know. make any sense. Or it could be miscommunication. 
Yeah, or it could just be poor execution. Well, there is that. Is there anything more about the Atlanta game you wish to talk about? Uh, no, I oh I do. Chris Godwin, what a game he had. I yeah, had, right. What fifteen catches? Team record. Yeah. So team. he had five on that first we, drive. We had, uh, you know, we have things to look for during a game. Uh, you know, something happened. If someone they're short a touchdown, they need so many yards to move up into the rankings. Chris had like three or four things to watch. He kept breaking them and all. And he kept breaking them all. I mean, I didn't. He's been I, doing that all year. Yeah, right? yeah. Just, it was phenomenal. It was one of those ones where it was hard for us to keep up with the notes. Mm. Yeah, yes. So he had 15 catches. The previous record was 13 by running backs, James Wilder and Ernest Graham. The yep. previous record for a receiver was 12. Mike Evans is one of the people that had that. But now it's Chris at 15. Crazy. 143 yards. Um just all – that was on only 17 targets, too, so it was very efficient. All kinds of plays. The little quick screens, yeah. some more downfield stuff. Yeah. He He's one of these guys that can run every route, and he's he's a dominant slot player, but his numbers are actually a little bit better on the outside. Yep. So he, and, can, he can do it all. And he's a great blocker. Yeah, I mean, just I ridiculously mean, good. It, it just it, – to see, we have two wide – two wide. Two wide receivers with uh, Evans and Godwin, both can really catch the ball, but they're great blockers, which is not always the case. And Chris is actually on a different level because he's such a good blocker that they actually specifically use him in their blocking schemes around Mm -hmm. the line of scrimmage. He'll he'll go in motion, end up on the end of the line, and block a freaking defensive end. Yeah, I you know what I thought about the Atlanta game, especially at the half with the with the uh, holy smokes, what are we doing? Yeah, what just happened? Yeah, yeah. Um, So we go into the half, and I was. I kind of was thinking, boy, I remember, you know, when your team's not playing really well and a play like that happens, you're going, oh, we're back in the game. We're, we yeah. got a shot to you win. Mean, this is how Atlanta yeah, was feeling. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was like, and it was kind of nice. It got the fans, you know, what fans were there. Uh, it seemed like there were a ton of Buck fans there because there were. every time there was a play, it was going crazy. There were a lot of Bucks fans And there. it's an easy trip to make. It's, it's two years in a row. It was yeah, like that last year. Seven-hour drive or an easy Six play. Six and a half. Oh, drive like oh, me. Well, there you go. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much I kind of had that. I felt for the fans that, you know, Oh, we're back in yeah, it. But I at no time that I think they were back in it. Well, other than Other than I was thinking, what was what. What was that? Well, wow. they were down. We'll get to that, but they were down three at that point instead right. of being down ten, and they had the ball to start the second half. So, yeah. they, but for the second week in a row, mm-hmm. the first drive of the second half was the other team, mm-hmm. and they both times they started driving and started and, looking bad, yeah. and both times momentum swinging mm-hmm. turnover. Yep. Two weeks ago, it was Shaq Barrett with the strip sack and the recovery. This time, it was Pierre Desir, mm-hmm. who was our guest last that week. week. Uh, so, Shaq, I mean, um, oh, Cam Gill will probably do something big next yeah, week. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's a trend now. It's a trend. We decided it. And uh, he he gets the um, force fumble. Carlton Davis really had good hands to immediately scoop it up. Because mm-hmm. um, so sometimes those start bouncing around, you know. But he got it. And then, the, I think once we did that, the rest was history. Sure. They didn't They didn't score again. No. Um, nope. But, yeah, you wanted to talk about that play at the end of the half, right? Yeah. Like, what did you want to say? Oh, just my thinking the whole time was, why are we doing this? Why don't we just run off the clock and go? Yeah. And that was my thinking. It but was kind of I inexplicable because we, yeah. we were back at, like, inside our own five-yard line. And the first play hadn't done much. Had we been on the 20 or 25-yard line, I would say, yeah, okay, let's, you know, let's see what we can do. You need a lot to go right. Yeah. To get three points. Right. And 
what could go wrong went wrong. Yeah. And it was like, wow. Yeah, he just, if you It was a non-Tom Brady moment. It was almost like you're, you're like, wait, did, did that just happen? Yeah. Yep. You, you see the guy walking in the end zone, I'm like, does he have the ball? Yeah. Yeah. So a big defensive lineman, Marlon Davidson, undercuts a little, like, outlet pass, whatever you want to call it, screen sure. out to Leonard Fournette. And clearly figured out what was going to happen all along. Stepped right there. And so I will just say that I, I don't have to say it myself because I don't want to I say I, I don't want to rip on coaches. I no, I'm not college. ripping on them. But coach. coach Arians said poor play call, poor yeah. execution yeah. after the game. So there's a general feeling it certainly looked that way. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was inexplicable. You're like, why would we call that? Sure. Well, Most of the time there must have been a th- they must have had a they must have been seeing something that they thought they could move the ball. But down. they got that wrong. Yeah. And maybe in retrospect you would go, it doesn't even matter if we thought we had that play. Let's not take the risk. Yeah. So maybe it's a lesson learned for I will on say down though. I I'm saying I'm we're pointing out that one play mm-hmm. and I'm and I don't mind doing so because I'm going to say it's the exception that proved the rule because I thought and I've thought this a lot recently. I thought Byron Leftwich did an outstanding yeah. job calling plays. No question. I think his play calling in recent weeks has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love some of the plays we're calling around the goal line. The the Leonard Fournette, the pass to Cam yeah. Bright. Both yep. of those were little rollouts with Tom Brady. Uh, I love it. I think we're. I think he's doing a fantastic job of calling plays around the end zone for one thing. But just overall, mm-hmm. I mean, I I agree. I'm nodding my head. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. It's fun to broadcast those games. Do you know Tom Brady can break another record this week? Yeah, I think it's some, what is it, uh, 100,000 yards or something no, like that? No, it's completions. So he's already taken right. the yards record away from Drew Brees yeah. and the touchdowns record away from Drew Brees. So what is his completions? He's going to set the record for most career completions. And in, in, uh, he needs 18 to do so. Um He's he's uh, there's some yard things like well, he's already the leader. Yeah, but I think he he's oh, surpassed like, hundred thousand or something. Some, no, yeah, it's some crazy. I saw it. It's, it's not crazy. Thousand. I'm trying to get this. It, okay. It's crazy. It's like eight miles if you put the <laughs> yards together. It's it was. I, I saw a little blurb on it and I was like, holy smokes! But hey, when you're playing for seventy five years, you're going to have big records. So he <laughs> is. Uh, he has. Drew Brees has 7,142 completions. Okay. Tom Brady has 7,125. So 18 uh, more, and he takes yet another record okay. away from poor Drew Brees. Wow. And Tom Brady has not completed fewer than 20 passes in any game this yeah, season. So I think he's probably going to yeah. get it. Even now, if we go conservative and run the ball this game. Well, they have the NFL's top-ranked pass defense. Mm, they do. Does. Uh, so maybe we will try to run. Well, yeah. Well, are we talking Buffalo now, or are we just – yeah, let's get to Buffalo because okay. we need to. What I what I was going to say about Buffalo, reason why is that they, if you watch last Monday's game, even though the weather and everything, New England just said we're going to run the ball and they did. Now yeah. they now they only scored fourteen points, but they they controlled the clock. They did a nice job. Um, the problem Tennessee, I believe, gave up five touchdowns on the ground against, uh, or Tennessee scored five touchdowns. On the ground against the Bills. So is that their Achilles heel? I don't know. Their their, their rush defense numbers are not terrible. Mm-hmm. They've got a number of good defensive linemen. Their two off-ball linebackers, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, sure. are very good. Big guys. Yeah, Tremaine Edmonds yeah. is huge. He's like a throwback, mm-hmm. like a LeVon Kirkland-sized guy. He, he, um, but he's fast, too. Mm-hmm. He's like 6'5", 250, but he runs a 4'4", 5". That's crazy. Like that. That's crazy. So um, I don't think they have a bad run defense. That game on Monday night was nuts because 
I just I, I'm sure I had the same reaction as a ton of people going. They absolutely 100% know they're going to run it at them, and they still can't stop them. Well, that's 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 how you know you're playing well. You know what we're going to do. Now stop us. Yeah, it's and just, they just keep and they just it, that that is what is that called? Um, enforcing your will on someone. Yeah, okay. Is that what it is? Is that what the term is? It's um, like, imposing. Yes, they definitely impose their will on yeah. them. Yeah, they. But still, it's not the same as if, like, we've seen games before where somebody's passing on us, like a Matt Ryan or something, and but, for whatever reason, the scheme or the personnel, we can't stop them. Correct. And we know they're going to throw it, yep. and we can't stop it. Yep. It seems Kind of like the New Orleans game. Yeah. It seems a little different, though, when we're talking about running, because at some point, if you just put enough defenders in the way... They did. They should. I know. They did. I know, and that's why... But intuitively, to me, if you put... Nine guys in the box, ten guys in the box. Yeah. At some point, it's going to be too many, and they won't be able to run against it. And to be honest, they did stop a lot they, of running they plays. Did. They, they had gave, a lot of good third down plays. They had a lot of tackles for they loss. They gave up one 64-yard yeah. run. Which was a bad run, probably compounded by somebody missing Missed, it, yeah, because right? he, he did a cut back and it was wide open. But so if he hadn't broken that one, that could have been a 11-7 win. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the score right. Was. It was. It, it, I, I, I saw that. You see the clips of the Buffalo defenders getting a little pissed off. Yeah. Understandably so, because somebody asked him if that was embarrassing. Well, it was an embarrassing, and I and they're like, we gave up 14 points, yeah, dude. I, and I agree. I agree and with I, the, I, the players. I agree with the players too, and Plus. I and I agree that um, I think sometimes uh, those of us who who do this for a living are need sometimes to have thicker skin, you know, when a player pushes back. Well, you know, or yeah, I guess, but they also know. need to be a little better at asking questions. Well, yeah, but then it's kind of like, well, this is the problem. The, it, it escalated then to, well, this is the problem if you're not be with us having the club control who we oh. get to see and not be in the locker room and that whole thing. Yeah. So, but, but you should not use the word embarrassing. There's a no. way to ask the question you want to ask. No, if it's, that. you know, it, I would think, I would think they might've been a little bit embarrassed on the Tennessee game, five rushing touchdowns and, you know, but you still don't ask it that way. No, no, you, you I mean, you could use the word disappointed and that's not going to piss somebody right. off. Right. I don't know. I know. Well, it's all about me right now. So not so, me, me, just the all uh, universal you, me. <laughs> so you know also that Chris Godwin, because we're talking uh-huh. about him, um, has moved up to third place on our all-time receptions list, fourth okay. place on all-time receiving yards. And, of course, his teammate Mike Evans is one of the only two ahead of him. The other one is James Wilder. Uh-huh. He has like 430. But the funny thing about the yards, man, we're talking about how great Chris Godwin is. The numbers are starting to be pretty massive for Mike Evans. Yeah. Let me put it this way. Crazy. Mike Evans is our number one all-time leader in receiving yards with 9,060. Chris Godwin is now third, and and Kevin House is fourth. Wow. Or no, I think Kevin House is third, and Chris Godwin is fourth. You add those two guys up, and they're at 9,417. <laughs> Mike Evans almost has as, has as many yards as the third and fourth guys combined. Jeez. That's how big his numbers are. That's crazy. But you know what I like is that with those 15 catches – uh, Godwin is now up to 82 mm-hmm. on the season, and Mike Evans owns just about every receiving record there is for this team, yeah. career and single season. But one he does not hold is receptions in a single season. Do you know who owns that one? 
Not Keyshawn. Yes, Keyshawn. Oh, it is Keyshawn. Okay. He had 106 catches. Oh, in a season and only had one touchdown. Yeah, I was going to point One that touchdown out. catch. <laughs> that was the now, two touchdown. Yes, I remember that. Uh, <laughs> now, now I got that one. He did not like to be told, reminded of that particular no. combination of numbers. No. Tom, 106 catches, one TD. He only had one. <laughs> he had 106 more catches th- than I did and one more touchdown. <laughs> he had 106 catches on 180 targets. That's wow. crazy for 1,266 yards and one touchdown. That was his second year with the Bucks. Yeah. It was Brad Johnson's sure. first year. Yeah. He did make the Pro Bowl that he year. He did. Well, So that is still the record. Uh-huh. And now that he's up to 82 through 12 games with five to go, Godwin is on pace for like 117. Yeah. I'd love to see him break that record. Yeah. I want to see him get his spot in the record. He should. Because with the way Mike Evans' game is, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, and with the weapons that he has around him, he's... He's not going to get to 100 catches in a season. That's just not what. No. That's not the type of receiver he is. He's and, not and, a, and there's so many people to throw to. Yeah, that's what I said. I understand. I'm reinforcing that. Uh, so I love that for Chris. Yep, me too. Uh, we didn't talk much about the bull, the bull, the Bills, but do you want to? Or you well, I think they're you know they they have a quarterback that you know uh, Josh Allen. They you know they're high on him, then they're not high on him. They're high on him, they're not high on him. So it's growing pains there. Uh, um, uh, okay, that's kind of derivative, but no, I'm just saying is that he was an MVP candidate last year, and but he's struggling this year. He's struggling to the tune of a 97.5 passer rating, uh, and uh, like 66 percent completion rating, and about 270 yards per game. So mm-hmm. I'd lo- most teams would love to have their quarterbacks sure struggle but, to that. But in numbers. Buffalo, they're they're turning on him. The the, the, oh, the Buffalo turning Mafia on him. Come are, on, they that's are. a bit strong. It is. I don't know about that. All right. I did an interview a couple nights ago. With you didn't do an interview. You did a you did a marathon. Right. It was like 50 minutes, but it was with a something. I can't remember exactly. What Buffalo it's Mafia. But it's a radio thing, and the word mafia was in there. Yeah. And um, the guy the guy interviewing me certainly didn't seem to have any problem with Josh yeah. Allen. All right. I mean, the guy also ru- averages 35 rushing yards per game. Yes. And has he's a triple or double threat. He has three touchdowns on the ground this year, but he's had at least eight in every of the each of the three years before that. He just made the story of Josh Allen was he made if you took his 2019 performance, didn't know about 2020, and then saw what he's doing in 2021 as a Bills fan, you'd be thrilled. It's a mm. big improvement. Sure. Completing a lot, much more accurate passer, um, mo- fewer mistakes. You'd be thrilled. The problem is, in between, he, he made so this well. a yeah. gigantic jump, yeah. and now the little bit of a backslide is why people would maybe have some negative thoughts about him. But he's don't make no mistake. This is a very good difficult challenge. Well, this is a very good team. Stephon that, Diggs is awesome, oh, unbelievable. Dawson Knox now is 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 an emerging tight end. Uh, their offensive line is very good, and they're up against the ropes right now. They need they, they need it. They need it. They need it bad. This is you know you talk about. You know, every game's important. They are. Every game counts the same. But now you're in December, and you're hearing everybody say that you know December games are worth more, right. yeah. right? only because you're because you don't have enough to make up. Yes, and you know, there's, sometimes there's not much of a margin for error, which right. is the case for the Bills right. and the Bucks. And, and that's where they are. And of course, their nemesis, the uh, New England Patriots, is just winning, winning, winning. Right. They have to play them again in they New England. They get to play them again. Yes. They need another shot yeah. in New England. In New England. So, uh, yeah, they're they're coming all in full force. Now, how crazy is that? They're going to play a game on Monday 
with the uh, feel-like temperature of 23 degrees and 40-mile-an-hour winds. And then they're going to be playing in Tampa on Sunday, which probably around kickoff time should be around 76 degrees. So but there are, there are going to be a swing. I did... I did see that we could have mildly high winds, like 10 to 12 miles per hour. A little, the swirling winds at Raymond James Stadium coming back? I mean, back? It, can make it, it can make a bit of a, it do, an impact. It, Nothing like what we saw on Monday night. No, not where you only throw three times in a whole that game. That is just amazing. <laughs> I mean, three times. I thought, I thought it was a throwback game. That's incredible. It, it, yeah, hey, it's, uh, right now they're saying seven mile an hour winds. Oh, that's not bad. 23% chance of rain, a high of 83. So... By four we o'clock. kick off four o'clock. It'll be eighty three. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be a scorcher. Sure, for, for them. a December game. Yeah, even for us, I thought it was warm today out at practice. You know, standing under the awning. Yes. All right, man. All right. Um, I let's think get to the question. Yeah, well, well, first, let's to get Cam. to Cam, yeah, and then we get to Cam. questions. Okay. Uh, so we are going to now uh, bring in Cam Gill and uh, and and find out a little bit more about this young man. The salty dogs. And we're back here on the Salty Dogs podcast. I am Scott Smith. And I am still Jeff Ryan. And now we have with us our very special guest of the week, outside linebacker Cam Gill. Cam, thank you for your time. I'm sure you had a busy day already today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. So let's start here. Uh, You got a sack last week in Atlanta, and I looked it up. You've had 17 defensive snaps, 14 of which were pass rushes. And you've got two sacks. That is really good sack production, Cam. Are you thinking that this is going to lead to some more snaps along the way? Uh, yes, sir. I mean, I would hope that it leads to, you know, more snaps in the future. Um, you know, just to be able to display what I could do again after the quarterback. Um, but uh, I'm not trying to get too caught up in the um, snaps and the, uh, sacks. So I'm just trying to do what I can to help the team. Yeah, sure. And you get to play a lot on special teams, too. But I, I'm sure every player wants to be out there as much as possible. Um, so how obviously the NFL hasn't been too big for you. You're undrafted free agent out of, out of Wagner, but made the team as a rookie and have been here all along and now playing more and more. So did it ever feel like the NFL might be too big for you or were you confident coming into it? Uh, I've never felt that it's been too big for me. Um, you know, I've dreamed about playing in the NFL since I was about seven years old. And, um, you know, I've just done everything I can to uh, work as hard as I can to, you know, get here. And uh, I'm going to continue to do that to be the best player that I can be. You know, when you're talking about trying to be the best player, yeah, uh, you had an injury in training camp and on, we're on injured reserve. I don't think everybody truly understands what that, how that affects a player. So can you walk us through how it affected you and how you got back into being back into the an active roster? Yeah. Um, I got hurt, unfortunately, uh, early in training camp. So um, uh, you said the first month of the season or so I was inactive. Uh, I was actually injured throughout the preseason, too. So, um, you know, I had a, a calf strain, grade two calf strain. And, um, you know, it was just it was just difficult to, you know, like, you know, run and work out. But uh, aside from that, uh, like we mentioned earlier, you know, being that undrafted guy out of Wagner, you know, early in my career, um, I actually wasn't sure, you know, what my future, you know, was uh, headed to with the uh, Buccaneers. So, um, yeah, that was a stressful time for me. But, um, you know, I just try not to worry about it and just control what I could control. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, stay on the team. And the Bucs was, you know, riding with me and trusting in me. So, you know, I'm, I'm just back to playing. 
we've mentioned it a couple times, Wagner College, I believe. That's in Staten Island, is that right? That's correct. And I saw that you went to high school in Georgia. Are you a, a Georgia native? I am, yes, sir. Well, tell us how you went from Georgia to Staten Island. That seems like a strange. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, I've been living in the Atlanta area since I was about eight years old. Um, I'm not sure how Wagner heard about me. I didn't hear about them until they heard about me. Um, somebody came to my school one day. They were um, recruiting in the area. They was actually from the area, like the Atlanta area. Uh, they were from about 20 minutes from where my high school was. He just popped his head in and, you know, within a week later made the uh, scholarship offer to me. So um, that was my only Division One offer. So uh, it was a no-brainer for me to go to Wagner. How big of an adjustment was it for you to go from uh, Georgia to uh, Long Island, New York? Yeah, it was a big adjustment. Uh, definitely a, a culture change, weather change too. Um, you know, I don't have any family up up north, so uh, you know, I just had to um, you know get accustomed to the new environment and uh, just lean on my teammates and my coaches when I was up there. I think you said a, I think you said a maybe a conference sack record, uh, got All American honors, so. Obviously, you made the most of that opportunity at Wagner, but I wonder when you were uh, when the draft was going on in 2020, uh, what you were thinking could happen. And obviously, the Bucks called. Did, any, did anybody else call? And if so, why did you choose the Bucks? Yeah, um, after the draft, I was deciding between the uh, New York Jets and the Bucks. Um, those were the two that called, wanted me to sign after the draft. And um, good choice. <laughs> yeah. It, it just made the most sense to me. Um, you know, I was talking to uh, Coach Larry Foote, which is my position coach now, uh, throughout the draft, actually before the draft. You know, he called, kind of just kept it honest with me, um, you know, where they had me projected. And, um, you know, if nobody was to grab me, you know, draft me, he wanted me to come there. And we just kind of, you know, stayed in contact throughout that process. And um, it was just also a role thing, too. Um, New York was kind of talking to me about moving me to inside backer, which I played at the East-West Shrine Bowl and didn't play at all in college. So, you know, I just wanted to, you know, be able to still get after the quarterback. So you developed a relationship with Larry even before you got here, just by his phone calls. Yes, correct. Yeah, he, he was checking in with me, on, you know, by week in, week out, you know, during the draft process. So yeah, it, it just made all the sense to me to come here. Now, obviously, if, if the Jets wanted to move you to inside linebacker, they, they thought you had the skills to do that. And in this defense, you're mostly a pass rusher, but I know there's been a couple times you've had to drop into coverage. I, I think I remember you uh, having to track down Jack Doyle in the indie game and, and and tackle him, you know, when Todd decides to disguise things and, and drop the OLBs and bring somebody else. Uh, is that part of the game? I know you say you want to rush the passer, but is dropping into coverage occasionally and doing that kind of stuff fun for you as well? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, that's 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 all part of my game. You know, I try to uh, pride myself on being a football player first before I'm an outside linebacker. So, uh, you know, I enjoy, you know, drop back in coverage. It's uh, newer to me. I didn't do it as, as much in college. Like I said, I really didn't get a grasp of it until I went to um, the senior, the, the senior all-star game in the East West Shrine. And, um, but uh, moving forward, you know, I'm just starting to understand it more, you know, understand where I fit. So, you know, I just view myself as all-around player. Is it a complicated defense? Nah, it's not. It's, it's the way I put it is it's a fun defense. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, they really don't put any restraints on anybody. You know, they let the playmakers play. You know, we're just able to fly around and be fast. You probably play off both ends, but when I can picture 
some of your um, highlights this season. It seems like you've mostly been rushing off the right side, which would be on the left tackle. Is that right, or are you playing both sides? Uh, I alternate. I can play left or right, but um, I like to align on the right side if I have a choice. Yeah, what's the reason for that? I know some guys are like that. Like, seems like JPP is the same way, but Shaq likes to be on the other side. Right. Why Why a guy has a preference is on one side or the other? Uh, I would say probably just just a stance and start. Um, you know, if you're on opposite sides of the ball, you know, you have to have, you know, one foot up and one foot back. Um, and Because um, I alternate mine. You know, my outside foot is always going to be up. So, oh. you know, it, it's, just, it's just a better start for me getting off the ball. Okay, so you just feel more comfortable in the stance on that side. I get it. Right. Hmm. Um, you are also kind of an interesting uh, – it's kind of an interesting trivia question about you that you, it's amazing to me that your very first sack ever, sack ever in your NFL career was actually in a Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I can, and you split it with Ndamukong and Sue, if I remember correctly, uh, and maybe even caused a fumble on that play. Is that yes. right? Yes. What – I mean – you can say not only do you have a championship, a Super Bowl ring, which is awesome and, and makes your choice of the Buccaneers obviously look really good right now. But also, man, you got a sack of Patrick Mahomes and caused a fumble in the Super Bowl. That must have been an amazing moment for you. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it uh, definitely was an, an amazing moment for me. Um, you know, uh, I think I had subbed in. I think um, I played three snaps on defense in the Super Bowl towards the end of the game. You know, that might have been like my second play I got in. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, second play to get in uh, and just, you know, wind up with uh, Patrick Mahomes in, in your face with Sue and, you know, splitting the set. Man, my uh, my mind was blown. You know, <laughs> sometimes my mind still is blown. <laughs> sometimes I just think back on it, just be like, you know, I got in at the end of the game and, you know, split a sack with Sue on Mahomes in the Super Bowl. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, and you guys were chasing him around the whole game. It was the story of the game. I think he ran like 300 yards during the course of that game. I, I just wonder what the atmosphere was, was on the sideline because it just had, it just kept building and building and the pressure. He couldn't get away from it. And it was worse and worse throughout the game. And I just wonder what that was like. Were you guys just getting more and more hyped up the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. We just got more hype. Um, you know, it was like a shark, you know, shark that smells blood in the water. You know, once <laughs> we realized that he was back there running around, you know, we kept him off the spot. You know, it was just almost became more like a competition. So, you know, see who can race the fastest to the quarterback. So, so you get a sack in the Super Bowl, you get a Super Bowl ring, you go to the White House, but still you find time to call a fifth grade math class. Can you tell us about that? I didn't know about that. Oh, yeah. So, um, that's actually my, um, that was my little brother's class. Um, so I just wanted to uh, drop in, you know, um, it was an elementary school that I went to. So, um, you know, I have close ties to him. I try to go back and visit when I go back home, you know, just, uh, you know, just share some thoughts with him and talk to him. But uh, I just wanted to uh, drop in and surprise him. Uh, I was talking to the teacher and she was just like, uh, it'd be cool if you, you know, dropped in on Zoom and surprise my students. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'd definitely love to do that. So um, I was able to do that because um, I think leading up to the Super Bowl, they were making me like uh, signs and posters, you know, that had like, my name, number on them, you know, just let me know that they were supporting me. So I was like, you know, I got to call them and uh, thank them. Um, let them enjoy that moment too. Yeah, that was Mrs. Leatherworth's class. Just yes, so sir. you know, just so I do, just so you know, I do my research. Now, we're not going to keep you longer, but I do want to say happy birthday to you because on December 14th, which is Tuesday, is your birthday. 
So you're going to be right. all of 24 years old. It's a player's <laughs> day off. What do you got planned? <laughs> oh, well, I've been looking ahead. Uh, that's actually a Tuesday. So uh, I've, I'll be somewhere getting some tacos. Uh, I kind of keep <laughs> kind of keep the tradition going every every week. It's the spot in Tampa. I don't know if you guys tried it called Miglitos. I make sure to get over there every Tuesday, have some uh shrimp tacos. So I'll Mc, just probably be there. Miglitos. Miglitos. Yes, Where sir. is it? It's on Kennedy. It's, it's right off Kennedy. All right, gotta check it out. So I guess yeah. it's Taco Tuesdays for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, well, I hope you enjoy that and get some good tacos. And we really very much have appreciated your time here. Keep up the good work. Uh, more snaps and more snacks, more snaps and more sacks coming your way, I'm guessing. And we've really appreciated your time with us. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys for having me. The Salty Dogs. And we're back one more time for the final uh, segment here of our Salty Dogs podcast. I'm Scott Smith. And I am Jeff Ryan. And we just got to talk to Cam Gill, which yeah. was nice. You know, I had forgotten that he got his sack at the Super Bowl until yeah. you brought that up. <laughs> that was that was, was a half sack. Wow. I'll well, tell you what, yeah. I, I, he may already know this. I didn't have the heart to tell him, Jeff. So he, I thought earlier today that he had two sacks yeah. because he got a sack against the Giants. He got a sack last week. Well, somewhere along the way, they took one away. The play was reviewed against uh-huh. the Giants, and the, uh, the the people who do that for the NFL and the Live Sports Bureau decided that his sack was actually a split sack with Patrick O'Connor. So right now, Cam Gill has 1.5 sacks. Uh, now that's funny you say that because when I was looking up his stats, I saw one place said he had two, and then one place said he had one and a half. And I was trying to figure that's out because what that's... you probably saw the two on say Pro Football Reference. It probably was because they apparently have not been given updated. the word that's oh. been updated. I didn't have it right on one of my stat sheets because I didn't realize it had been changed. Yeah. The league does send out an email every week sure, with stat changes, but this one didn't wasn't changed. They usually changed. The week, week after the game. Yeah. This one didn't change until another week later. So someone, I didn't even see it at the bottom of the page. Someone must have really been looking for something. Oh, man, know. that's crazy. It but is. in any case, it's still good. Sure. He's still been in on two sacks and just 14 pass yep. rushes, which is a ridiculous. Nice, nice, nice kid. Yeah, that nice was good. Kid. All right, so this part is for answering questions. All right, let's do it. And would it, if I had a question, how would I send it to you? Okay, which I'd said at the top, but like you said, you reinforce it at the end. Is that right? You do it now. So uh, you send you, you can send your questions to at to salty dogs at buccaneers dot nfl dot com. Okay. And they heard us last week because, uh, and again, I'll read the names of, of the people who sent questions that we're not going to answer so that they know oh. we're going to get to them. Well, don't, no, don't tell them. Don't. No, because I want them to come back next week. Yeah, you will, pick. you will, but you do it at the end. You want to keep them in suspense yeah, yeah, to see no, if their question happens now. Oh, okay. The first one is from a, a fellow named Stephen Larson. Okay. I don't recognize that, Stephen so it could be Larson. a new one. All right. Ahoy, Salty Dogs. I like that. I enjoy listening to your podcast. Thank you. I've been a Bucks fan since the beginning growing up in Largo. Ah, I now live in Amarillo, Texas, or do they call it Amarillo down there? Amarillo. I now, but it should be Amarillo. Mm-hmm. I now live in that part of Texas. <laughs> I think there might be two other Bucks fans in Amarillo. <laughs> I spent 25 years in the military and moved around a lot. Thank you for your service. What is the reason the Bucks radio is? This is for you, Jeff. All right. I'm starting with this one because it's your area of expertise. I'm ready. What is the reason the Bucks radio is restricted to those in the broadcast area? I love. Li- let me finish. Mm-hmm. I love listening to Gene Deckerhoff call the games, and I can't get that here. Are there ways I can watch or listen live or even after the game? The reason why they do that is they're protecting the national broadcast, the national radio broadcasts. Okay. Um, it's something that uh, I, in fact, it's funny, 
not haha, but I had a conversation a few weeks ago with the NFL about that. Um, I was on a committee of, you know, good practices. What are the things that we should change? What are the things that we look for? And one of the things that I brought up was that in this day and age, you get everything off your phone. So you really kind of have to kind of stop restricting this stuff because if I'm in, okay, if he's if I'm competing against the Dallas Cowboys, if I'm taking listeners away from the Dallas Cowboys, they're not doing a very good job. You see what I'm saying? In other words, you need a fan like him that wants to be able to have access. So it's not going to really hurt anybody. So hopefully uh, in the next year or so, We'll be able to put it. So there's no there's nowhere online on the Bucks website or the app or anything where no because it's geo it's geo blocked. Really? Yeah. There's just no way. What about afterwards? Do we post it on the website or Uh, no? We don't post the game. Why would I mean that wouldn't be violating anybody, right? No, that would not. Well, that's something. I thought we used to do that. Uh, We do plays. We do certain things, but but not a not an entire broadcast. All right. So you got an explanation for them, but not really a solution. There isn't really a solution. Not yet, yet, but I'm working on it. But that's the reason why it is restricted. All right, that's a bummer. Yeah. I guess you could, you need to make friends with somebody in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and then you call them, and they put, and you they put their phone on <laughs> by the radio for the next three hours. You know, what's funny is years ago, before there, there was the Internet, that's how, that's how you would listen, um, people who needed to listen to the game. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, the Glazer family likes listening to the games on, on away games when they could not listen we would actually call in, and they would li- have a listen line oh, cool. off their phone. So. All right, good. Yeah. Okay, next one is from Michael James, and I don't think we've had one from him before either. Okay. Um, although there is a former Mike James who played for the Buccaneers, running back, remember, from mm-hmm. Miami? Wow. He had a big game in Seattle when we almost pulled off a huge upset. Anyway. Huge. Go ahead. All right, Scott. And, and Okay, so we I kind of alluded to this yep. earlier. I don't love – I don't want to talk a ton about – the question that he has here. Okay. But I'll read it. We can say a few things, but I really love the message in the second part of this. All right, go ahead. What do you think of the penalty that Antonio Brown received for the fake vaccination card as compared to the excuse Aaron Rodgers gave? Aaron deceived his team in believing that he was vaccinated when he received some unapproved crazy treatment. Aaron gets a monetary fine and Antonio gets a three-game suspension. That does not seem fair. If they are going to be that harsh, then Aaron should be suspended for three games. Obviously, Antonio has had his issues, but he has come a long way in maturation, but I'm sure he's not held with the same esteem as Rodgers is. So before I get to the second part, just real briefly on this, honestly, are you right down there, Joe? Yeah, I'm listening to what you're saying. I don't, I don't think this is a topic that you or I should be the main spokesperson for the Buccaneers on. No. And Bruce Arians addressed it the day that this came out and said they were not going to say any more about it uh, until those guys came off the suspension three weeks later. So if he's not going to talk about it for the next three weeks, I don't think it's our place to do so. I agree. I will just say that I think just I, just the, if you're talking about the difference between those two scenarios, I think what Aaron Rodgers – there's not. I'm not sure there's proof that Aaron Rodgers actually deceived his team. Yeah, he he spoke deceptively to let to make the public believe he was vaccinated. Right, and but he could have. There's no proof he wasn't following protocols. And where and his fine 
was because he his fine was because he gathered with other NFL players at a party, and if you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed to do that. Right. So that's where the fine. Came but otherwise, from. they did not have necessarily have proof that he went in the building not wearing was, a mask. He might have been wearing sure. a mask for sure. all we know. Yep. But at the very least, they probably just don't have proof of it. Yeah. So it's just a matter of punishing what you have evidence for, right? Yeah, and I think it's one of those that I mean, it's a great question. And until, you, you know, I can't really comment on it because I don't have all the facts. The only facts I have is what we've been told. Yeah, so you know? it's a little hard to compare the two. Sure. I mean, um, I think both situations were uh, serious to some degree, and the league has, has punished what they think they're capable mm-hmm. of punishing. Right. So let me read the second part of this. Okay. Email. I am an internal medicine physician, Ooh. and I endorse vaccination, as do we. I do. But you would not believe the excuses... Excuses I hear from patients on why they do not vaccinate. The problem with the younger generation is that they get their news from social media where anything is posted and taken as fact. There needs to be more education on the value of the COVID-19 vaccination, and maybe some of the social media giants need to be more supportive of the vaccine to help alleviate fear. Michael James, MD, go Bucks. Wow. Michael, I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, no, I mean, it was a very... It's, well... Well, there's going to be, and, and Jeff, you know, there's got to be some listeners to this podcast that don't agree. Sure. Okay. But just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to avoid the subject. I'm going to say, I think everybody should get vaccinated. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I also understand that they have the right not to do so. Right. Right. But if you do do that, then you should also, you know, take the responsibility of following some of the protocol. Yeah. But that's a whole other story. Anyway, but, good, but, but good I message, Mike. What I like his message was, right, I think. You, you know, when people say, I need to do my own research, I don't know where you're going to get research. But the Internet can be your friend or it can be whatever it is. And that's not necessarily a good thing. So have multiple outlets. How's that? Yeah. Okay. I also want to read one. And it might seem weird sure. when we have, have limited time to read from uh-huh. a guy that sends us every week. But yeah. it's our friend Alexander yeah. from Brazil. And, and we we're, kinda, on a, we're on a win streak. Well, we kind of don't yeah. want to jinx. Yeah, no, no, it, we yeah. seem to have hit upon the fact that yeah. if he sends a question and there's a question it's about, about foot, football, football, then the Bucks win. So I, I have to keep reading these until that changes, right? And I'm every, a superstitious guy. And every Buck fan's going, you better. So... Ahoy, salty ones. Hope this finds you both well. Okay. It is amazing how this Bucks team finds ways to break multiple records every single week. Yeah. And I was wondering if it can break yet another one this week, but not on the field, but at the stands. Ooh. What is the most people in attendance at a Bucks home game? Is that a possible record to break? No. Considering the RGS was not always our home field, and the fact that it's been through changes during the years since you did, thanks for reading. Yeah. Um, and that, no. We cannot yeah, break that the record. The record is back from t- old Tampa Stadium. Yeah, 75,000. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So there, it's not possible. Yeah. Now, maybe they could break it at a Super Bowl with expanded seats. Yeah. It, but that's not a Bucks home game. That's not a Bucks show. Yeah. Uh, capacity well, now, I think, is 65,000. S- yeah, something like 65,618, something yeah. like that. So, no, it can't be broken. It was around in the 70s, 75, something like that. Um, so. In championship game. 79. He also says. Uh, now, answering your question, Mr. Smith, no, Mr. Remember, he sent in a picture of you with, with yeah. uh, Dave and Gene, yeah. and I asked if the face matched, matched the voice. Uh-huh. No, Mr. Ryan's voice does not match the mental in- image I had of him, but I believe that's a me problem. I'm really bad at doing these <laughs> mental images, LOL. So anyway. Does he say what his mental image was? Well, he says that he remembers um, you and I arguing about who looked the oldest since we're the salty dogs, uh-huh. and uh, 
invited uh, you invited listeners to go to the website and look at our photos. Right. To come away with a conclusion. And he doesn't say what his conclusion is. Ah. But he just says the the picture that he saw didn't isn't the way he remembered. Okay. Looking. Okay. One more. One more. Let's see. Who, who do I want to do here? Oh, I'll do that one next week because I want to look up the answer. Oh, okay. Okay, let's do this one from Phil Schwadron. Uh, we've had him before. He's from California. Okay. Orange County. Hey, S-Dogs. Hey, dog. Scott tweeted after Atlanta game that Tom Brady passed Trent Dilfer and TD passes. I'm pretty sure I didn't, actually. Right. I tweeted a lot of different notes during yeah, that game. But not that, that one way. probably came from Buccaneers PR. Uh-huh. What it basically was was that um, Tom Brady has already moved up to something like fourth in team history and touchdown passes, yeah. even though he's been here less I than know. two Two seasons. years, yeah, I know. Um, so he did pass Trent Dilfer. Let's see, I can give you the number. And Trent was there, what, seven years? Was he here? Uh, yeah, 94 through 99, Yeah, which is six, six years. years. Uh, starter most of that time, but not much in his first year. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he might have the most starts in team history as yeah. a quarterback. Uh, the actual yeah. – let's see here. The the record is still a ways away. It's Josh Freeman – I mean, not Josh Freeman, um, James Winston. Oh, yeah. um, he has 121. Josh Freeman is second with 80. Yeah. Vinny is third with 77. And now Tom Brady has moved past Trent Dilfer and Doug Williams. Wow. So he started, t- started that game tied at 70 with – with Trent and three behind Doug, and now he's ahead of both of them. So he's at 74. Before the season is over, he'll be he'll be second because he only needs seven more to move past Vinny and Josh. Wow. Jameis is still a bit away. So the question is, and it's it's a good one, is it possible in three years that he could own not only every all-time QB record for the NFL, is what he means, but every buck record? That alone should put him on the Bucks Mount Rushmore. I'll tell I tell people is he is easy to hate for 20 years. That is until he plays for your team. Love you, Tom. Love the Salty Dogs too. Phil Schwadron, Orange County. I like it. So, yeah, I, it was funny because we were trying to we thought about doing an all-time team or a bracket like 64 bracket of the best players in team history after Tom's first year here. But it's like it's really hard to put him on. Where do you put Tom Brady? He's obviously the greatest player right. that has ever also played for the Buccaneers, but he doesn't have the greatest Buccaneer career of all time. Right. That's probably Derek Brooks. But yeah. But after a few years, if this guy has like the best quarterback numbers in team history, and you Mount Rushmore thing is you pick sure. four players. Yeah. I did it a few years, like a, quite a while ago. It was hard to pick any offensive guys. I put Mike Allstott on there, mm-hmm. along with like. Sapp and Brooks and Lynch or Barber or something. Sure. Like that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's true. If if after three years he's led you to three playoff bursts and hopefully maybe another Super Bowl. I was just going to say, if he gets another Super Bowl, you just – He goes in the ring of – I think yeah. a better way to ask it, does he go in the ring of honor? Oh, it does. He doesn't go after one year, but no, I think uh, at this point, yeah. I think he does. Yeah. I think he does end up in the Bucs. If he went – if by some – if it – all the stars align and everything, and the Buccaneers win two Super Bowls in a in a row. Tom Brady's going on the Ring of Honor even before he retires. <laughs> he also <laughs> just he, he also has a decent shot, a really good shot of being the first Buccaneer ever to win NFL MVP honors. Uh-huh. He's never had that, so that would be another thing. You, I think at that point you got to throw the guy up there, sure. even if he only plays here three years, which yeah. is he's under contract for a third year. I think all of us would love it if it was longer than that. We love riding this train, right? Yeah. Okay, I think that's all we got time for today. All right. Um, yeah, we are running. Yeah, you still have tight. to put this all together. So yeah. And we're to... running late. It's just Thursday night. Um, this has been kind of a busy week. And uh, Yeah, and, and sometimes you 
do you tell players that you're going to interview, sure. hey, whenever you want to do it, it's and fine, and it ends up being well, 430 because that's what worked for him? Well, they had meetings, too. Yeah. They, they, that that um, position, they have very late meetings. Also, uh, you know, they're getting um, – and I'm not complaining because it's nice. They're getting victory Mondays, so right. they come in and get treatment, and then they leave. They have Tuesdays off, and then Wednesday's really kind of a busy, busy day for them. So the first time so we're even asking anybody. Is, yeah, it's really Wednesday, and most of the practice. time they want to do it on Thursday, yeah. so that's where we are. Which is so. fine. We're more than happy to wait. Sure. It just means that Mr. Jeff here needs to – we need to wrap this up so we yeah. can get home yeah. to his lovely bride. All so right. before we do, let me, let me tell the people who – we got questions okay. from, and we will get to them, just not this week. Okay, right. so we answered Stevens, we answered Michaels, or we talked about it at least. Mm -hmm. We got one from Kent Denny about who is the governing body for NFL referees. Ah. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, we got one from Craig Johnson, uh, who wants to know a little bit more about Chris Godwin and what, how, like, what percentage of franchise tagged players actually end up re-signing with their team long term. Okay. I have actually looked those numbers up before, but I didn't before this broadcast, sure. so that's why I didn't read that one, because I want to come armed with the and, actual answer. And here's a good thing. You want to send your questions in, because if we don't have a guest, for we'll do a ton reason, of then we'll do a ton of questions. We did that so, once last year. Yeah. We did a whole uh, a whole podcast yeah. on just yep. Yeah, so, so we your, will get to these. Your question will be answered. We got one from Samuel Ninao. He's the guy in Tennessee who I confused yep. with the guy in Sure, the one you berated, yeah. No, no, it was the other guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, he's the one who kept saying I was having senior moments, not, yep. th not this guy. Okay, so... Um, he has a question about, uh, oh, it's a correction for us. It's a correction for me about my story about Monty Kiffin last uh, week. And then it's a question about uh, a Christmas gift for the Bucks. Okay. So that's a good one for next week. Sure. And, uh, and finally, Mark Rice, who's from Mesa, Arizona. We've talked about that before. Um, he is asking a similar question about what unfinished business this team has, comparing it to, like, uh, on the way to the Super Bowl in 2002, the Bucks shut down the vet because okay. we had unfinished business with uh, those Eagles, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Those are all really good topics, and we will get to them, uh, but it's not going to be now. Okay. I want to say thanks to Beepo Brady's. You turned into this. You tuned into this podcast for the classics, and you get them also when you go to Beef's. Wings, nachos, Angus, beef burgers, beer, put them all together, and you know what? you got Beef O'Brady's. If you're hungry for tailgating greatness and with a late game, you got a lot of options coming up this Sunday. Try Beef's to go or full-on catering Beef O'Brady's where game time meets tailgating time all the time. And since you did, you got anything else? Nope. Do and, it. All right. And since you did, thanks for listening.